Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us for this radio show today. We're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit, and the title of today's show is The Spirit of Adoption, The Promise of the Father. But first, let me tell you about a scene I saw in a movie I went to this weekend with my daughter. The movie was called God is Not Dead. And there's a memorable scene in the movie where this hyper busy young woman is in with an appointment with her physician. And the physician is obviously trying to tell her something important. And she keeps interrupting with responding to text and phone calls. And finally, he kind of shouts to her, that she has terminal cancer. And her distractions were keeping her from hearing the sobering news she needed to hear. Now, rest assured, I really don't have any bad news whatsoever to share with you today. In fact, it's the best news that I think I've ever shared with anyone over the radio. And it's the best, most conceivable news that anyone could hear. So, I do have a fear, though, that kind of relates to that scene I told you about from the movie God is Not Dead, where the woman is distracted by her smartphone and by text and everything else. I fear that people today are so busy with the pace of life that they don't have time to figure out why they're on this planet. Let, Let me ask you today, whatever you're doing right now, why are you alive? Why do you exist? And what is the goal of everything through all human history? What is the goal of everything that's going on today in the world? What's the goal of your Christian life? This is what I would call a slowdown radio show, and if possible, I'm going to ask you to stop whatever you're doing for the next 27 minutes. And what I'll be sharing may seem so simple that there's a very strong chance you could miss it without very intentional focusing. Now, I know life is busy and everything's important, but uh, if you're driving, if at all possible, just pull over. I know you're busy. I know you've got appointments, but You're cooking, cleaning, working. If at all possible, take a break, pause, and if at all possible, grab a Bible and open with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And let's start with the big question. What is God's eternal plan for us? For many, maybe even most Christians, it's, well, we live our life. Uh, believing and obeying God, going to heaven when we die, and having eternal life. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but there's a lot more to that than very often we even imagine. I'm going to start with Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 as kind of the opener, where he St. Paul begins, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I dare say, 
we underestimate what he is saying when he mentions he's given us every spiritual blessing. But verse 4, this is where I want to really zero in. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Now you say, well, I'm a Christian because I chose God. That's true. You have free will, and God expects you to use that and choose him. But before you chose him, before he created this planet, before he created the universe, before he even created time, he chose you. That's what it says. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, when I was younger and a Presbyterian, I had this all figured out. You wanted to know about predestination and free will? I could knock it out. With a little bit of age and wisdom and some balance with the Catholic faith, I'm now a child and I only know two things. I know that God is utterly sovereign and everything including my being in Christ is due to his choice. And number two, I know I have free will. And how do two fit together? I am a child and I do not know. But beyond that, the point being, God chose us before the foundation of the world, and then the next verse tells us why. In other words, there is a purpose for our life that precedes all of history. It says in verse 5, he destined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ. That's the big purpose of the universe, of all the stars, the solar system, all the wildlife, all the mountains, all the oceans. That's just a backdrop for an eternal choice of God the Father that he wanted us simply out of his great love to be his sons through Jesus Christ. Well, sure, I know I'm a child of God. This is why I ask you to stop. Because some of these simplest terms that are so easy to almost parrot in response to questions are the deepest things. Do you really know that you're a son or a daughter of God the Father? In other words, through what the theologians call divine adoption, which simply means he is bringing you into his family. Now, everybody's heard in Mass and heard in Bible studies, you know, we're all part of God's family. That isn't a pious metaphor. Your family life is very real, and though imperfect, is to serve as a reflection of a greater family life, so to speak. God is incorporating human beings into his very family. The the Trinitarian life, he wants to include us as his sons because of Jesus, his son, became flesh so that we might become children of God. This is why everything in the universe exists, including history and time and you and me and everything else. 
And so often we go through life thinking, yes, we just believe in Jesus, kind of have this abstract belief in him, and then we go to heaven and kind of hang out there. For No, it's far more than that, that God wants to have what many evangelicals call a personal relation with Jesus Christ. Well, this is a personal relation, but this isn't simply a temporal personal relation. This is something that began before time, that exists now in time, and will exist for all eternity future. This is to be the core reality of our spiritual life. This is supposed to be the core reality of our, of our identity, of who we are, and what it means to be a Christian. The Navarre Bible, when it comes to Ephesians, speaks of this very well. It says, what is involved here is not simply formal adoption, which is something external and does not affect the very person of the child. Divine adoption affects man's entire being. It inserts him into God's own life. For baptism makes us truly his children, partakers of the divine nature. Divine sonship is therefore the greatest of the gifts of God that he bestows on man during his life on earth. These are realities. And unfortunately, I wish I could just jump into this microphone and come through the airways right there with you and, and somehow try to impress this. I can't. This is beyond my ability to do. That's why we're talking about the spirit of sonship. It is the Holy Spirit's role to awaken the deepest part of a human being's life to the reality that they're God's children and that God the Father loves them with a love he decided to bestow on them before time began. This is supposed to blow our minds beyond all conception of what we can think of, of anything human or divine, because God has exceeded these things. Now we need to go to a cousin verse of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. We go to St. Paul's epistle to the Romans. It's speaking very similar things here. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29 where St. Paul says, we know that in everything God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And we've already seen from Ephesians, this is his eternal purpose before the world began. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. It says Jesus is our brother. This is the reason for the incarnation. God became man so that we might become children of God. And it says here to be conformed to the image of his son. This is the purpose of your existence on earth. It isn't rushing to the next meeting. It isn't getting through this week's curriculum or this year's curriculum. It's to be conformed to the image of his son. You do that, you've lived a successful, purposeful life on earth. Everything else isn't even secondary to this. And to be conformed 
This is very close to the word that we have, metamorphosis, to be transformed from the inside out. But this word conformed is to be transformed with Christ. As we're in union with Christ, there is a transformation that's to take place. And the purpose of the Christian life is undergoing this profound transformation that begins now, not just when we go to heaven or when we die or after the second coming. It begins now into the likeness of Christ. Now, how does this all begin? It begins with an experiential knowledge at the core of our being that we are loved by God the Father. And I'm not talking about yeah, yeah, I know God loves me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an experience of God's love that awakens something inside you that you didn't even know was there. It's like your destiny that you didn't even know existed comes alive. So let's go a little bit further in this. Still in Romans, but now in chapter 5 and verse 5, St. Paul says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts. His love, which was purposed before the universe began, when that touches the human heart, a pagan persecuting empire is transformed into Christendom. It's not through a ballot box. It's not through this or that book or conference and all these things are great. This is the core of everything in the Christian life. And this was the common experience of the first century Roman Catholic Church. Taking a deep breath, I'm just going to say it. This is missing today. You're wondering why your 20-year-old finds Grand Theft Auto video games more exciting than the Mass, it's because this is missing. If you're wondering why your late teenager goes off to college and goes off from Jesus Christ and finds drinking, partying, and pot a lot more exciting than following Jesus, it's because this is missing. This is the core, and if the core is missing, all of the superstructure, and I'm talking about years of Catholic schooling or homeschooling or catechesis. It's like building this grand 20-story skyscraper without this foundation, without this core. This is what's missing today that was present. And the good news is it is available. I guarantee that it is available. Jesus, when his disciples asked him, you know, you, say, you seem to be having a pretty good prayer life here. Teach us how to pray. And he prayed the Our Father. And I'm, I'm in Luke 11, just in my mind right now. And Jesus said, you know, uh, there was a guy asleep, and, you know, this person kept knocking on the door, kept bothering him, bothering him, kept coming back, saying, I want this, I want this. And finally he responded. And then Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. And then he told about what father among you, if your child asked, for some food is going to give him a serpent, or wants an egg, will give him a stone. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I'm talking about an activating in the core of the human heart, the very love of God the Father. When this happens, 
You don't walk away from Jesus Christ. When this happens and somebody wants to throw you in a coliseum and face a hungry lion, you don't deny your faith because there's something stronger inside you than anything that's in the world. But if you don't have this thing inside, with the pressures of the contemporary world pulling people here and there, adults and their children, young adults and teens, whoever, um, this is what has to be activated by the Holy Spirit, and that's the spirit of adoption. Now, still in Romans, going back to chapter 8, St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 14, 15, and 16, three verses that are worthy of a retreat. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This is divine adoption where we have this knowledge of being led by the Holy Spirit through our life. We're not wandering and rushing and going here and there and taking exits to dead ends in our life. We're being led by God because we know the purpose of our existence. Verse 15, you did not receive the spirit of slavery, but you have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father. You see, the first Roman Catholic, somebody didn't have to say in a catechism book, God the Father loves you. No, it was the Holy Spirit that had been awakened in their hearts. And there was this spontaneous cry, God the Father loves me. They didn't have to have somebody try to convince them of it. This was inside them. And this is the difference between telling somebody that God the Father loves them and experiencing the reality through the spirit of adoption that God the Father loves them. And here it is, verse 16. The Spirit himself, bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Again, this isn't a parrot answer to the question, does God love you? This is deeper than some kind of uh, loosey-goosey emotional experience. And for many theologians, brace yourself, this is deeper than any intellectual experience. And emotional experiences are fine. Intellectual experiences are necessary. But this is something more necessary. This is the living presence of God himself sent from heaven to testify to our deepest being the fundamental reality that we are children of God and that God the Father loves us. Parents, this, if you do one thing, one thing in the 18 or however many years you have children in your home, this is it. It's not chasing here, chasing there, busy here, busy there, doing this, doing that. This is what children need in the 21st century, and for children to get it, it might be a good idea for parents to get it first. It's the transformation of the human heart through the spirit of sonship, and it's the spirit, God himself, coming and bearing witness in our spirit. And again, not superficial emotions. I'm talking about the core of our being, and all of a sudden, wow, I didn't even know that this this type of thing was available to human beings. I didn't know that God loves us this much. I didn't know that God wanted me to conform my very being into the image of Jesus so I could share in the divine life. What is this God? And see, you're attached to him all your life. Do you know that God loves you? 
Have you had the spirit of sonship bearing witness with your spirit that you're a child of God? Do you know at the core of your being that you're a literal member of God's family with ties deeper and stronger and more real than the bonds of your human family? This is what is called Christianity. This is Christianity. It's not secondary things. This is the core, and this will keep you and your kids faithful in the midst of the 21st century. You know, if we only knew what's going on, what's available right today, we would probably go into shock. So I'm going to shock you. I'm now going to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 18. I'm just going to summarize. St. Paul talks about this glow that was on Moses' face. In the Old Testament, Moses would go into the tabernacle, into the very presence of God Almighty. And when he would come out, his face was so aglow with the radiating, the divine presence, he had to put a veil over his face so he wouldn't freak the poor Israelites to death. But St. Paul says, what we have must have much more splendor. He is not talking about when we go to heaven. He is talking about life on earth. He says, Moses had fading splendor. So he would go into the tabernacle, the very presence of God, and he would come out glowing. And yet, after a while, it would fade. St. Paul says, what we have now in the new covenant is greater, greater than what Moses experienced in the very presence of God himself in the Old Testament tabernacle. And it's through the Holy Spirit. He says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being changed, transformed from the inside out, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is a spirit. Now, this isn't just for monks and experts and theologians. This is for moms and dads, kids, young people, young adults, and especially for prodigal sons and daughters. You could say, I'm so sinful, Jesus wouldn't even look at me twice. Turn to him in repentance and faith, and he can make you new from the inside out. Or if you're a couch potato, dead to the faith, and your parents keep bugging about this and that, you just need to be awakened by the spirit of sonship to the reality of what's going on. You can come into the very presence of God Almighty, and not by walking into a tabernacle. Your body is now a temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants to come into you in the depths of your being and let you know that you are loved with an eternal love. This is Christianity. This is what it's all about. Now, that first step 
that first transformation into the image of Christ has to begin with that Romans 5-5 experience of, of God's love being poured into your hearts. And if you haven't had it, just ask. Go to Luke 11, ask, seek, knock, knowing that you have a good Father who will give the Holy Spirit to those who will ask him. And parents, you're worried about catechesis. You're worried about homeschooling and Catholic schooling and getting your kids and bankrupt yourself to the Newman list of Catholic college. All that's great, but none of it is going to last in today's world without Romans 5.5 first. You get Romans 5.5, the love of God being poured into the hearts by the Holy Spirit and catechesis and schooling and Catholic college catches on fire and transforms not only the person, but everything they come into contact with the world. And then step two, there's this ongoing transformation that St. Paul talked about. It's not fading, it's ongoing. And we obey Christ not out of some duty and pious effort to earn our way to heaven, but it's this profound love response to the one who has loved us before time began. How can we not respond with our life and time in response to him? And as we do that, we become transformed ourselves. Now, there's a step three for this, and I'll be sharing a little bit of this with you next week, but it comes from John chapter 14 and involves the Holy Spirit and the sacraments because some of your kids find playing a video game far more exciting than going to Mass. And Mass can be, with the spirit of sonship, perhaps the most exciting thing in the world. But before we get there next week, I want to let you know that we've been listening to episode 29 of Faith and Family Radio, and I'm going to encourage you to perhaps get a CD or an MP3 of this broadcast. Just go to familylifecenter.net. Maybe take a trip to the mountains, to the desert, or someplace quiet. Get the cell phone turned off and all of that, and just focus on step one, Romans 5.5, 5, Luke 11. The impact it can have on you and will leave an impression on your family for generations to come. So take a visit to FamilyLifeCenter.net, episode 29. Till next time, this is Steve Wood with Faith and Family Radio, reminding you that all who receive him, Jesus Christ, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.